Ajá. Peace. That's right, JT. You number two. In the chat, anyway. What's popping, people? It's Thursday. February 23rd. Making today's math. Wisdom, understanding, all being born to power refinement. What's good, A1? Peace. When your wise words are understood, you show and prove your power and refine all those that come in contact with your truth. Mm, peace to the God. Gary's Garage, what up? Ben Frank, what's good? Shonda Lewis says, peace from West Africa. Peace, Queen. Montreal in the house. You know how we do, Jimmy. Dr. Patah, Peace King. Y'all follow Dr. Patah for that good nutritional information. Yes, sir, he'll get you right. Make sure you click that like button upon joining, please. Click that share button. Let no let people know we up in here. Was <sighs> goody, was goody, was goody, was goody. Welcome back to the Godcast. I'm Lord Jamal. Got another great one coming. Beautiful mind. Peace. How are you? Peace and love to you as well. Thank you, Ben Frank. Um, yeah, I'm just waiting my, for my brother to uh, <clears throat> pop in. It should be another two, three minutes. Uh, but I said, you know what? Let me just get it started. So y'all will be ready. And warm and welcome for when the world famous DJ Kid Capri makes his way to the Godcast. He has a new album out called The Love, which I just listened to. Um, and I have to say, overall, it's uh it's solid, very solid album. Um, I don't know how many of y'all realize that Kid Capri is not just a DJ, but he's actually an MC as well. Um, that's why I put in the description DJ MC Kid Capri. 
because, you know, just like our brother uh, Diamond D, who's a producer MC, so is Kid Capri. And, um, yeah, he's he's solid in both lanes, you know. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to explore that. Uh, if you'd like to buy his album on Amazon, go ahead and click the link in the description. Um, you, me being an Amazon affiliate, I will receive a small portion of the sale, and I thank you in advance. Um, I mean, while we're waiting, if you have any little topic you'd like me to address before we start, uh-oh, it's almost... Uh, it's almost an angel hour. What do I mean, mean by angel hours? Well, part of me, you have like 12, 12, 111, 222. Well, it's almost, uh, it's almost uh, 333. <laughs> A list of the 10 dirtiest cities in the United States of America. Hmm. Interesting. Heck nine in the house. Bloop, 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 bloop. Peace, tech. I mean, heck, part of me. Hold up. Thank you, sir. Peace, God. Teacher Maria. She said, I literally sprinted to the shop. Cheers, Lord Jamal. <laughs> okay, you got your you got your little drinky drink ready for relax and sit back and get with the God cast. Shout out to JTT on the super sticker. Thank you. Appreciate you. Oh. I'm glad you asked me. 313 Chiz said, do you think that the Boosie and T.I. situation is staged? Um, it don't feel like it's staged. I don't think it's staged. Um, I think what people are not uh, really paying attention to, though, is how your man, V-Lad, fucking kind of instigated this whole shit. He saw two brothers that were getting along about to put an album out and decided to pose this question to Boosie on their first, first interview of the year, first question leads him into this whole shit about his man that he about to do, you know, an album with. That shit was real fucking shady on 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 the vampire's part. Um and you know now now you got TI and fucking Boosie who was cool. They 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 was cool. I think they seeds was cool and all of that type of shit. 
And now you got them, you know, feeling a type of way about each other. And believe you me, these are two good dudes that it could lead to some serious shit. Like if, if it, you know. And then this motherfucker throw a rock and hide his hand. I just thought it's real interesting how that, that whole shit started on his fucking platform. But anyway, um, we got our brother here in the house. I'm about to bring him on. Man, he's a fucking world famous DJ. You know, like I said earlier, a lot of y'all might not even know or really recognize him as an MC, but he's definitely that, um, you know, Grammy award winner. So many things this brother has done legendary career. Um, we going to talk about it, man. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome to the God cast. My brother, kid Capri. Okay. How you got? Beautiful to be here, man. I'm great, man. No complaints, man. Thank you for having me, man. Yes, sir. Uh, great to have you here. Uh, I was telling the people that you have a new album out right now called The Love, mm -hmm. um, which I listened to, and we're going to talk about that a little later. Uh, I think it's dope. Um, Thank you. I don't think people know what your government name is. Why'd you, why'd you name your album The Love, sir? Well, I named it, well, my name, my, my government name is David Anthony Love. My daughter's name is Rena Love. My dad's right. name is David Howard Love. My granddad's David Love. So, so that's kind of crazy that Love is your last name for real, for real. Yeah, Love is my real last name. As a matter of fact, people used to always ask me why I named myself Kid Capri, which somebody else named me. I was gonna ask you that. Why didn't you take the easy route and be D Love? Because which back, is the easy, which is the easiest way to go, because you was born with a hip hop name, D Love. Come absolutely. On, but in 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 the time I started, you made a name up, you know, Grandmaster Flash, Grand Wizard Theodore. Like you made mm. your name up at that time. You didn't really use your name so much. It wasn't unless you was using like Teddy Ted or something like that. But really, you made your name up. But what made my name special was that it came from a girl that um I was going to school with and she was 13 at the time her name was Olga Carter and we were going to class and she said Kid Capri is a good name for a DJ at the time my name was DJ Dr. Spank it was a terrible name <laughs> yeah. but she said uh, Kid Capri sounded a good name for a DJ that's kind of hard though <laughs> DJ yeah, yeah. Dr. Spank but I ended up trying Kid Capri <laughs> and maybe six seven months later uh, a few months later she was shot by a straight bullet and killed so I mm. ended up keeping the name okay Mm -hmm. In honor of. Right. What was her name? Olga Carter. Olga Carter. Rest in peace to Olga Carter. Mm -hmm. mm. Absolutely. I'm sure she would have been proud of what she helped to, uh, you know, Absolutely. inspire. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It helped me go and propel the way I've been gone. The name just, that name just fit what I was doing. I don't think I would have been able to make it as DJ Dr. Spank. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Somebody would have at some point, who's Dr. Spank? But Kid Capri sounds like, first of all, as far as venues, it sounds like it, it could go with the venue and all of that. It sounds like something nice, like something good. Like it sounds classy, but it sounds like live too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, 
Yeah. She gave um, you the perfect name. She definitely did. I'm trying to. So when did you first start DJing? Like what got what got you into it? Yeah, I like to ask a lot of uh, hip hop people. When did you go from being a uh, fan of hip hop to a participant of hip hop? Well, I was there from the beginning, man. And I remember one day on Kansas Terrace on my block in the Bronx, this dude named Jevil, he was he was on the block. This is 76. He's on the block and he's shooting dice. And he's going, yes, yes, y'all, to the beach, y'all. And he's throwing the dice. And I'm looking at him as a little kid. And I'm saying, what the hell does it mean, yes, yes, y'all, to the beach, y'all? He kept all the dice. He kept saying this shit. That was Friday, he winning? They had, um, huh? I said, was he winning? Yeah, he was winning. No, matter <laughs> fact, he, wasn't he was throwing the dice. He was just throwing the dice. He wasn't playing. Okay, he was just throwing them. Okay. Yeah, he was just throwing them. And that Friday, a group at the time called Rockwell Incorporated, you might know Kevin Kev Rockwell. He's one of the DJs of the group. He, they, they had a party that Friday. And it was the first time he's seeing DJing or anything like that. And I went to this party and I just stood there and watched this dude DJ B-Ward. I just start, I just watched him all night. I ain't dancing no girls. I ain't go to the bathroom. I ain't move. I just watched this dude and was stuck. I ran home, told my mother I wanted to be a DJ. She didn't know what the hell I was talking about. We didn't have a whole lot of money, but she bought me a, a mixer that had no headphone hole. So I had to guess all the spots on the records. And that's what made me better than everybody in the neighborhood that had a headphone to use. I didn't have a headphone. You was drop needle shit. Dropping needles without the headphones and catching it without the headphones. That shit was right. amazing to see. Right. You know what I'm saying? As a little kid doing this. I'm right. standing on top of a milk crate because I wasn't tall enough. Now, to how what, how old are you at this time? Eight years old. Mm. So all the older dudes in the neighborhood, it was 32, 33 DJs in between my building and two other buildings. All these older dudes was looking at me like, what the hell is this? What's going on? Like, this is crazy. He's doing this shit without headphones. I ended up staying with it while everybody dispersed and did whatever they did with their lives. I just seen something different. And I seen that. There was, and keep in mind when we did it, it was just a hobby. It was no money, it was no none, no corporate nothing. It was none of that. It was just us in the street. But I seen something in the future. And keep in mind, at this time, everybody's telling us hip hop. What's that noise y'all doing? This shit ain't gonna last long. I'm hearing all this too. But my determination was this gonna be something. I'm I'm gonna keep going and keep going. And I didn't have jobs. I worked in nine different supermarkets, Dagostinos. I worked in Butler Shoe Store. Barnes and Noble. I worked. I sold stuff. I went to the stores for people. I shoveled snow. I did all kinds of stuff. But when I worked in Barnes and Noble, and I heard the lady, I went to go get my check. I heard the lady say to another uh, supervisor, white lady, "I'm tired of these fucking niggas in here." When I heard that, mm. I let her keep the check. I didn't even get the check. I just walked out the store, and from that day on, I said I was gonna be my own boss, and I never looked back. And it all came from me getting that mixer that had no headphone hole for my mother. Mm, mm. Shout out to my mother love. Yes, sir. So um, so I right, so you like fuck that. I'm not gonna be working for myself. So what'd you do? I ended up uh what I was doing, I was playing at a place called Kings Beach Community Heights for the little kids. They used to take they used to have underprivileged children at this place. So I used to go there from Friday on Friday from 9 30 to 12 30 and do little parties for them. And in the same building at seven o'clock, I used to sit with women that used to be that was raped, and I was almost like a rape counselor without no training. And uh -huh. usually in a in a uh, um, 
in, in a situation like that, they don't want no men in there because they've been raped by men. They've been abused by men. So right. what can a man tell them? But I used to give them so many suggestions and just different things. They just, just let me sit in. But I used to hear stories. They was like, you know, I can't do this. And I just I just left it. But I was doing that with the kids at nighttime. And then when I leave them, I when I leave these little kids with this party, I would go to the SNS club in the Harlem and be around the killers and be around all the people that was the street people. I didn't know this. But 145th. I, I knew what was going on. You know what I'm saying? Time, but mm -hmm. yeah, and, and but it all it, it was all a grind, man. It was all me, you know, making sure I stay on it and, and people take me serious. So I did what I had to do to, to stay in people's face. So when did you when did you start getting popular? Like when did your tape start like moving? I'm trying to remember when I first really started hearing about Kid Capri, and I feel like Definitely the polo grounds had something to do with it. Well, like I think maybe you was pulling up to the polo grounds. Not or... yet. What what I what had started was I went to the SNS club one night. The SNS club was just, was a, was like a it was Drug a spot that nobody not just anybody could hours. be in there. Dudes like Alpo and all these dudes was in yep. this spot. So one day I'm in there. I just first night I've ever been there. I'm just sitting there looking at what's going on. Somebody said, "Yo, uh, Star Child was DJing up there," and a uh, dude, a uh, uh, cab driver, or something said something to another drug dealer about I could beat Star Child and better hundred fifty dollars. All this shit it came to. I was like, I don't want to do all that shit. Star Child said something in the booth, made me go up there, make do a little move, and then next thing you know, me and Star Child was playing with each other in the club. Um, this happened for about a year. A little bit less than a year and a half. While me and him was doing this, we were selling tapes. We were making tapes at the club. He was already doing it. Me and him was making tapes at the club, and we would split the money. And we were making so much money doing this because all the drug dealers and all the different people that came to the club wanted these tapes. It got so big that people, the tapes was $20. People would come to me and ask me for a tape of $500. they will give me $500 for it. So mm. after me and him stopped playing, I started playing at Studio 54 because Red Alert got me in there. Mm. I was doing little parties everywhere, but I wasn't really known yet. When Red, as a matter of fact, when Red brought me to 54, he told the people to put me in there. They was like, who's Kid Capri? Like, we don't need him. We, we don't know who he is. And he said, like, trust me, put him in there. And when they put me in there, I created pandemonium. So after all that was over, I said, you know what I'm going to do? One day I said, let me go to Trader Horn and buy 100 tapes. I went and bought 100 tapes. I went home and copied all the old tapes I had, and I made a brand new tape. Then I went and sat on the street corner in front of Rucker. And I started selling these tapes in front of Rucker. Mm -hmm. I went on 145th Street and started selling them next to Woolly Burgers. Mm -hmm. People were walking up to me saying, yo, $20 tape, who are you? Kick Capri, why would I buy one of your tapes for $20? I said, yo, take my tape, put it in your car, listen to the beginning. After you hear that, I guarantee you're going to come and buy everything I got. And mm. that's exactly what happened. Mm. So it got so it grew so big that next thing you know, while I'm out there, I'm hearing every car passing by with my music playing everywhere it was it just got crazy it went all out the country and all around in different states it just got nuts so where i got my first album deal my first radio deal which bls didn't want to give me a a job at all they closed the door on me and my sister was working for von harper at bls at the time mm. they didn't want to give me a job but when i got when i got hot with them tapes things changed so my first album deal came my first radio deal came my first tour came and then my television show Def comedy jam came and then the rest was history from there. But had I not decided to sit on that street corner, not worried about the chicks driving by laughing at me because they think I'm peddling or doing bad, to where I had to put 14 gold chains on my neck just to look like I'm doing good. 
because chicks were driving by looking at him, he was selling tapes, look at him, not realizing what I was trying to do. I couldn't yeah. get a job on the radio, so I said, let me go on the street and, and be, the only way I'm going to be heard is if they hear me, my tape. So I'm going to sit on the street corner and pedal these shits. And in, in the meantime, in the middle of Harlem, I'm seeing dudes get robbed. I'm seeing shootouts. I'm seeing all kinds of shit while I'm on this corner. You right. know what I'm saying? And, um, but it was the best choice I ever made. Had I not made that choice, we probably wouldn't be talking right now because there would probably be no reason to. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm glad I did that. And um, pride, you know, your pride, man, your pride to kill you. Your pride to kill you. Your pride to kill you when people when when people don't see your vision, they they say what they can't do on them and put it on you. And, and, and that's why you just gotta do what you do and stay focused on what you do, even if it makes you look a certain way. If they don't understand it, you know the direction you're going in, and that's what happened with me. Mm. Thank you, C. Medina. He says, salute to the most humble legend you will ever meet. I assume he's talking about you, sir. Um, and thank you. <laughs> thank thank you, you, Tim Neff. Um, what do you think you were doing that set you apart from other DJs? What made Kid Capri stand out? Because other people, you know, I guess had their little tapes. Like, I started as a DJ. I don't know if you know this. Never do that. I started as a DJ. A lot of the brand Nubian scratches that you heard on the first album oh, stuff shit, really me. Okay, yeah. Um, so what was uh what was my fucking point? What was I just saying? You said um what separate? Oh yeah, what made you stand out? So yeah, I made tapes when I was a fucking when I, you know, I used to I sold a tape uh for like $15 or some shit in junior high school. You know what I mean? Like not a bunch of them, but I sold a couple like for that price. I used to do house parties, get like two fifty dollars and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that was my little thing back then. Um, but it, you know, what the, I didn't, I didn't have some shit that just, you heard and it just made it go like wildfire. What do you think made your shit like really pop the way it did from other DJs? My whole thing with me is I'm like James Brown. I want you to feel me more than hear me. When I'm on stage, whenever I perform for whatever crowd is there, how many people's there, from 50,000 people to 10 people to five people, it's always the same feeling. It's always going to be these people. It's about them. They're the ones that paid to come see me. They expect the show. You know what I'm saying? So it, I want you to feel me more. So when the when the tapes, when I started with the tapes, it was more, I want you to feel like you were there while I was making it when you're listening to it in your car. So the things I would say, my voice level, uh, the, the little slick shit I see out of my mouth, the information I give you on how to dress, uh, the type of music I was playing, the type of music I was playing was like the soundtrack to the streets. That's why my second album was called Soundtrack to the Streets and the first album was called The Tape. It all relates to the tape. Mm -hmm. But it, it was like the music I was playing that people didn't know about was almost like uh, dressing up the street dude. Almost like you felt like kind of fly when you had that kick and pre-tape and you fresh and you got your shit on. You're not complete unless you have that kick and pre-tape. It just made people feel uplifted. It made the most gangsterous motherfucker feel like 
you know, I can have a good time and don't have to worry about feeling like I got to shoot somebody or nothing like that. Let me just have a good time. And that's what my whole thing was to make people feel like they were part of it, make them feel like they were there when I was doing it. And most of them tapes was made in my hallway, in my house. And it sounded like I was in some arena or some shit because mm. of the, the excitement that I put into it. And I think that's why it went national opposed to a lot of DJs that was dudes that was doing it that had stayed in the city or it might've went a couple of states. I was able to do it nationally and um, tap into everybody. Whenever you do a show, whenever I do a show and we get on stage, we have to satisfy a whole room full of people that we don't even know. Never met, don't know their attitudes, don't know what their likes is, but we got to satisfy all of them at one time. And it's you against all of them. So that's the same thing when you're creating an album, when you're creating a tape, when you're creating anything that is a product to people's ears, you have to make sure that you tap into everybody at the same time. And how do you do that? You have to know the difference between what's good and what's not good, what's uh, lazy and what's work. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And, and, and the research and what and, and how would you want to feel? I, I'm, I'm When I get on stage, I look at myself as I'm in the crowd watching myself and how I would want to feel if I was them. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I approach the tape thing. How I would want to feel if I threw it in the car and I'm with my bad chick and I throw the joint up on 10, how I want to feel? Do I want to feel like I'm just hearing music or I want to feel like I'm at a party in my car? And that's why I blew up so big. You've been credited with like almost creating uh, hip-hop R&B. Yes, sir. Through your mixes, especially um, I believe it's the Stephanie Mills. Absolutely. Um, something in the way you make me feel. Something in the way you make me feel. Yes, See, sir. that's what that's the type of shit that really made you stand out. Like yes, I sir. feel like it was those type of mixes where you said you dressed up the hip hop shit. You that's the way you dressed it up by mm -hmm. taking some shit like that. Putting uh, a break Mills beat to it, but then exactly put the right. break beat to and it, and that changed the whole R and B game. Now you had to make records with break beats, like Mary. You know, Mary came out. You know, I was gonna and, say and, and that whole changed the whole game of how R and B music was supposed. To, it was made now. If and you really, Stephanie got a chance to do it live, it was crazy because me, we didn't plan it. Uh, hmm. the, the promoter I've been working with for twenty years, Ann Pavis, he manages a. And I had a show with him in, in, in Indiana. He called Stephanie and made her come to Indiana. And she was backstage waiting. And when I got on stage, she just showed up. I stopped everything we did. It put and it went viral. We put it on the thing, went viral. But I never met her before. We never did it before. Never practiced it. It was right there on on the spot. And I remember Quest Love. After Quest Love seen it, he had pulled me to the side. He was like, "Yo, kid, that was some hip hop shit right there. Like that was crazy." So. You know, it was, a, it was a special moment, but that mix really changed the game as far as how music was going to be made. Exactly. Like, if you really, if you really, like, analyze, um, I can see how your man P. Diddy, okay, love, <laughs> Mr. Love, whatever you call it yourself these days, actually took influences from you you better believe it and grand poobah you better believe it he told me he those two me people that, right know, there it's like he mixed that harlem energy even though you're from the bronx 
I kind of I feel like your tapes were more synonymous with Harlem. And Absolutely. Um, and you had that Harlem energy to to mm-hmm. what was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Poobah, see, Puffy really came up at Westchester. I used to see him at the all the Mount Vernon high school parties and all that. He keep talking all this Harlem shit, but trust me, he was growing up in Westchester and shit in Mount Vernon. So that's why somebody like Poobah, um, you know, has an influence on on that whole. You know what I mean? Shit, mm-hmm. Poobah came before them. And like Heavy D actually got big. Poobah made records first, but Heavy D was like bigger before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Poobah. And this dude definitely took little elements from Poobah um, for a while. And then he definitely ran that whole, yeah, let's do the Kid Capri um, formula. Everybody, let me be very frank with you, man. I hope this don't sound no kind of way. Everybody took Kick Capri shit. Mm. Everybody took my blueprint and ran with it. DJs mm. wasn't talking on the microphones like that. Niggas wasn't flossing up. That's true. I made it. I brought the money to the DJ game. Before me, the money wasn't brought like that. You know what I'm saying? There was a couple of people that was getting a little bread, but it wasn't like that on the whole. I brought the money. I brought the flyness. I showed you how to be an artist. I made DJ be looked at as an artist. And it wasn't that wasn't the deal before I landed. When I landed, it became a business now. Now, now you see what's going on. Had this all this going on, had any of this been would any of this be going on? Had I not did what I did, we don't know. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But I know what I did, it created dudes to have uh opportunity to create uh to, to take care of their families, uh create opportunities for other people. You know, it made them look like he looked like the, as an artist instead of being looked at as somebody that's just standing behind somebody. At one time, the DJs was getting paid a hundred dollars. You know, now they, you know, you get paid thousands and thousands of dollars. Why? Because of the blueprint that I put out there. You know what I'm saying? And when my movie come out, it's gonna set a whole lot of shit straight. It's gonna, you know, because sometimes people forget, or sometimes people make people think it started with them. Or, you know, they'll take what you did and run with it. Don't give you the credit for it, which I don't even look for that because that's what legends do and icons do. They innovate and they move on. They don't sit, sit around soaking on what people take from them because that's the whole point of doing it. You innovate to make people want to do it. Mm. So, but then there's a, there's a story. There's the real story. So when the real story comes, that's when people going to be like, oh, oh, okay. All right. So it didn't go that way. It went like this. And, you know, the one thing about a person like me, when you're a person like me that don't have a bad track record, you know, I don't do bad business with people. There's nothing out there that say can Capri shit on people. None of that. When you don't have that type of record, your Thank word you, is man. trustworthy. You know what I'm saying? What you say out your mouth, people hold tight to that and they believe in what you say. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what you always have done. And I'm very proud. I'm more proud of that than I am of my career because I'm a man first. Fuck the business. I'm a man first. So, and the respect, the respect is the number one thing before any of this. So if I don't respect myself to be truthful, to be transparent and be real with people, how can I expect people to be real with me and be transparent with me and treat me as, as such? So that's how I always, always carry myself to where there's no blemishes. You can never pull up and say, kid did this and did that. Go ahead and find it. Unless it's something that somebody made up, but go ahead and find it. And I'm very proud of that. And, and it means a lot to me to keep that. Because now when I do something or say something, it's believable. It's not nothing that you got to question. You know it's the truth because I said it. And that and and that's what that's what I'm proud of. 
Facts, facts. Let's clap it up for that. I I can't really like I can't think back and like ever really think of a time where I like heard some fuck shit about Kid Capri. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like somebody saying something negative. I just I don't I it just never happened to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like maybe somebody up, but I for me, and I've I'm never sure heard nothing. Me about and you. you, we probably got somebody that might have said some shit to somebody else about us out of hate, out of mad, out of being mad, right. jealous, whatever the case may be. You know, right. we're not perfect. We, you know, we human beings. But as far as yourself putting things out there to make to 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 bring that type of attention, I never I never done that. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, if anything is said, it's made up. Right. Um. Now I know you have the new album out. You know. Um. And we want to definitely address that. It's just, you have so much history that, you know, it's hard to not touch on that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I know people, when when they have some new shit, a lot of times, oh, I don't want to talk about this old, old shit that I've done. But it's like, not me. Motherfuckers got to know. You not know me. what I mean? Um, you've written and produced. First of all, how long have you been emceeing for? My very um, first album I rhymed on 30 years ago, The Tape. That was my first album. Bismarck right. got me that album deal when I didn't even want an album. Yeah. I got hot with the mixtapes. I used to say little rhymes on my mixtapes. And I got so hot, Biz was like, yo, I'm getting your album. I was like, shut up, Biz. I don't know that, man. <laughs> and then he see me in front of 54, Studio 54, and was like, yo, I got your deal. We went the next thing you know, I'm in Bird Bedell's office, and I got a deal. So mm. it was at Warner Brothers. I got my first album deal, and I had to rhyme. I couldn't make an album, you know, DJing. So I had to rhyme on the records. I did I did a lot of the beats, me and Cool V. Sat there, wrote some more of the rhymes, and I did my first album. But I got big. It, it never was my bread and butter. I didn't want to be an artist as a rapper, but I knew how to do it. But I, when I got big as Kid Capri, the DJ, you know, I wasn't putting albums out. My next album wasn't until 98. My first album was 92. My next album, you was on, as a matter of fact, Soundtrack in the Streets, where I produced everybody. Jay-Z, Buster, brand new, everybody. So that was my focus. I wanted to be the Quincy Jones of hip hop. Mm. And um, and then from then, my next album was the one I put out, the Love Album, which is 24 years later. So mm. it never been my bread and butter to put albums out. I was always doing what I was doing. Um, When we was doing the soundtrack in the streets, all the clearances and schedules and all that stuff, that shit turned me off. I was like, I don't want to do no more albums. I'll do right. records here and there. You know, and I rhymed on different joints, but I never took the rhyme thing. So right now, I got a lot of entertainers that hit me after the album came out and said, yo, nobody's seen this shit coming. Like, you know, you should, why you didn't do this years ago? Because it never was something I really wanted to do. I just, mm. I did it now because the pandemic happened. I seen sucker shit going on on the net. Mm. You know, I seen, I said, you know what? Everybody took my blueprint and ran with it. So let me do something that nobody, that they can't do. You know what I'm saying? And then on top of that, one day I'm going to be 80 years old. You never want to walk around saying I should have, could have, would have. So, you know, do your shit. Do your shit while you can. Make it hot. And, you know, and, I, and I'm able to do it. I produced everything, wrote everything. I ain't asked no mainstream artist to be on my album. I could have asked anybody to be on it. I got, went and got my daughter being in love. I went and got the legendary Mr. Lex, the reggae artist. And I got my aunt, my man, R&B artist, La Lavelle. Yo, that, that Lavelle, dude. That joint with your man, Lavelle? The real serious, right? Bro. That joint right there. I'm gonna shoot like, a video to that in the springtime. Bro, homie, 
really stands out. Like homie can really sing. That that shit just sounded like a really well put together fucking R and B. You know what I mean? Hip hop mm-hmm. type of joint. Yes, that sir. joint. That Thank dude you. was dope. That dude Thanks. was dope. He was. Yeah, the bell's dope. He got a lot of dope records. Good cool, finds. Cool. I never heard a homeboy before. I don't know. You know what I mean? But <clears throat> he was dope. He was dope. Thank I like that record a lot. Um. So real quick, I, 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 I let's we're gonna jump back to the album, but I want to jump back real quick and just talk about some of the um, artists that you've worked with. Um. Let's see. When I look, when I look through your uh, Wikipedia, uh, it says that you've produced tracks for Snoop Dogg, Jay Z, Madonna, Heavy D, Fifty Cent, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. Um, the hell do you do with Madonna? <laughs> Madonna called me. I was doing um a television show called Master of the Mix. It was a DJ show. And she was doing an MDA album. And the people that was, uh, Smirnoff was back in my show and they were doing her MDNA album. And she heard that I was on the show. She said, oh, I want Kid Capri to produce one of my joints. Mm. So when I got the call, I was like, wait a minute, stop lying. You know, Madonna, I want you to produce my shit. I was like, what? Thank you, Andrew Ford. So I went and did Masterpiece for her. But the crazy shit is, she paid me a lot of money for Masterpiece. Mm. But then she paid me the same amount of money for a record that was with her, Nicki Minaj, that was already out. And she paid LMFAO to do the remix, so that was coming out. She just wanted to hear what I was going to do. But she paid me the same money she paid me for the record that was coming out. Wow. She gave me two bags for a record one that came out and the second one that came that she was going to she never even heard she paid mm. me never even heard the record never got the record never asked for the record i never sent the record nothing wow so nobody better not ever speak bad about madonna ever. <laughs> <laughs> um and 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 so the record that you did put out um you see royalties and shit on that record? Absolutely. Masterpiece. Oh, my goodness. I know some. It's, oh. It was be- beautiful. What? Beautiful. Yep. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Blessing. That's a blessing right there. Yes, um, <clears throat> so, uh, Heavy D, you yep. produced shit for Heavy D, and you actually wrote maybe some of the verses, yes? I produce nothing but love for heavy D. Ain't nothing but love for you, baby. Ain't nothing for love. Y'all know that joint right there. And it's not it's not documented, it's not written down that I wrote half the um song because it wasn't that wasn't really what's supposed to happen. What happened was we was in the studio. Matter of fact, that beat wasn't even for him. I gave him something different. And when we got in the studio, I didn't really like how he sounded on it, so I changed it with the M Games joint. And then he had caught a little block. He couldn't really figure out certain days so i just started writing so when it says now nah, you're the woman of my dreams uh keeping me clean i see you hanging with your girl cool standing by the cutter with your booty cut i wrote all mm-hmm. that i wrote the third verse. i like that but with you with your booty cutters yeah i, I wrote like all the way that. he said it the but third, the way he said it verse. is have like you know what i mean like he performed it well like you know what i was mean? so proud to do it 
you know what I'm saying? Especially after the man passed to know I gave him one of his biggest records. You know, mm. that, that really was good. The same thing as one of my biggest shows was when I, with, when I went on tour with Aaliyah and we did the garden. That was like probably my biggest show out of the five times I did the garden. That show was like the biggest show I ever did because of the magnitude of what happened. And it was for Aaliyah. And after she passed, you know, that was my history. You know, so a lot of people that passed away, I've had something to do with their career. Well, you had a song with Aaliyah? Huh? You had a song with Aaliyah? No, I did. I went on tour with Aaliyah. It was me, Aaliyah. Okay. Drew Hill, Mary J. Blige, um, Genuine, and uh, somebody else, and, you know, and, and Mary. Mm. And, and I was helping Aaliyah because everybody that was on the show was more aggressive and she had more of a dance show. So she went, she came and got me to be the aggressive part. Right. So I would come out in the middle of her show for 15 minutes and do my set. And when we did the garden, it was pandemonium, man. And then I brought Buster out after my set was out. I brought Buster out. Me and Buster, we did it. And then me and Buster still talk about it. We felt the wind from the people screaming at us on stage. <laughs> I'm glad Buster was there to witness that shit. Cause if I'd have told somebody out there, I thought I had a big head. But Whoa. he even says to me, yo, kid, do you remember what happened in the garden when the people were screaming at us? I was like, yeah, glad you was there. But it was a monumental moment for me. Felt the wind of the people you know, screaming. That's, that's crazy. Thank you, B41. Appreciate you. Yes, wow, sir. that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Good show. Okay, so let's get into let's get into the love a little bit. Let's talk about the love. Um, album artwork. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like that energy. It reminds me of one of those albums from the 90s where niggas would, you know what I mean, have those throwback photos. And I'm assuming that's a picture of you and your mom. Yes? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, and then I like how you got the, the the you know the name of the joint on whatever. What's that? Are you holding up a notebook? A uh, piece of paper. Piece of paper. Right. And she's yeah, looking at cool. me like, "What you doing, kid? What you doing?" Right. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm about to be Kid Capri. My watch. You don't even know. Like, I'm a, <laughs> I'm gonna do some shit. Yeah. I'm just gonna give me some bags. Watch. My um, cousin. My cousin. Because the name of the album was going was going to be the uh, the thumb drive because it was my first album was the tape. So 30 mm. years later, in the thumb drive, I was going to call it the thumb drive. But then my cousin sent me that picture at the last minute. Mm. I said, yo, this is the love right here. This is this is, this is is love. Me and my mom's like, the love. Right. And that's how we ended up turning into the love. Mm. But it was, all, it was a, you know, it's funny how things happen at the last minute, man. You know. Yeah, I like the love better because shit. Are they even still using thumb drives right now? And you know what motherfuckers call them little thing? They call them dongles. <laughs> what if you called it dongle. the dongle? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good name. I think I, I don't think the love sounds much better. Right. Um, so all right. First of all, you start the album with a song called The Truth Will Never Lie. Mm-hmm. Um, strong song, man. Uh, positive message. Talk to me about why why you start the album like that. Well, it sounded like the beginning mm. of the album. 
there was no other record that sounded like it could be the beginning. But also, I wanted to lift people's. I wanted. I I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it to be something bigger, and something that people, when they first hear it, it'll grab your ear. People always want to hear controversy. People always want to hear, mm. you know, what's going to happen. And you know, a lot of times as artists, sometimes we think about ourselves and don't think about the ear of people that's listening and what's satisfying to them. So if you want to grab somebody. You give something that means something to them instead of it being about you. So the truth will never lies about what's going on in the world. If you look at the video, you see the uh, the anarchy. It's not, I'm I'm in there in spurts, but the video was really anarchy putting up the mirror to people and showing them what they're doing in the world. Um, so I thought it would be a good one to, to intro with instead of doing the expected. The same way I put the second song. Sucker Free, that my clothing line record. I put mm. a commercial on my album as the second song. That was dope. See, I didn't, I didn't even know that you had a cl a clothing line, That's but it. I'm listening to this to the joint, the second song on a joint called Sucker Free. I like how you segued into that, and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here you go talking about sucker free. You're gonna wear sucker. I'm like, oh, that's some fly shit. Like, I almost mm -hmm. now wish I knew what the what the stuff looked like. Um, mm -hmm. but that shit definitely that was a definitely a smart move in the way you did it. Like, you know what I mean? And like mm -hmm. your rhymes, like your rhymes, I, I gotta say, man, they're very solid, like line for line. You one of these, you know, and diamond is that way too. Um mm -hmm where it's just line for line each line is just very solid like like very strong like the punch lines are strong and just it's not a lot of filler rap in there like like right. really crafting your shit in a scientific way you know what i mean and and i definitely appreciate that um that means a lot yeah because you're a spitter and you and you you know you're a serious spitter so that that means a lot coming from yes you. and i'm a i'm a i'm a mc producer the same way like you know yeah. what i mean like i fall in this category which i mean you know what i mean wish i'd turn mm -hmm. my camera but you know mpc is right here um mm -hmm. thank you frederick uh canes for the super sticker appreciate you um so yeah like the, all of these all of these early joints too, especially Wide Awake, Slap Key, The Business. Um, man, strong songs, dope beats, all, all produced by Kid Capri. Which is the joint with the uh, oh that it's her type. Mm -hmm. That's the one with the uh, Lavelle. Lavelle. Yep. Yeah telling y'all check out this her type if you want to hear some dope like r&b hip-hop you know what i mean like some people just have singing on their shit you know what i mean like like they'll get somebody that can sing from around the way but it's not like serious like mm -hmm. that's like right. serious r&b like down to the way it's recorded you got to know how to record shit like that properly like yes sir Where'd you record that at, actually? At my studio, the whole album. Mm. And and who's the engineer? You? 
Nah, Aton, Aton Noise, man. Uh, Aton do all my engineer work. He's been working with me for the last six years. He's been working with me on my, my uh, Sirius XM show, too, for the last six years. I got a show on Sirius XM on um, Channel 47 that's on Saturday and Sunday from 4 o'clock to 10 o'clock. Oh, see, I didn't shit, know man. that. Which channel? What, what is 47? Channel 47. Yeah, Channel 47. This shit is incredible. The, the mix show I only eight. usually only listen to Rock the Bells. <laughs> I sometimes listen, admittedly, to Shady Yeah, L wanted to the Rock the Bells, but I've been doing Serious Sex and Fly, man. That shit been shaking up for the last six okay, years. Okay, I'm so going to check it out because that's there. all I really listen to is that satellite radio shit. I don't even listen yeah. to... Oh, I have started listening to that 94.7 um fm they got a new station in new york they like, got that oh. for me the name of my show is called the kid capri block party or serious mm. sex and fly playing 90s to 2000s and then eight o'clock i play new and old together their show is called the block playing 90s and 2000s you know i always innovate man everybody takes my things let me find out shout to them shout to them let me find out <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> they all take my shit, but that's that's why you innovate. That's what you, that's hey. what I just told you this earlier. It's like you know, listen, listen, I, 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 I've been there. Like I, shit, ha <laughs> let me tell you something. I was one of the first ones in this podcast shit to use multiple cameras. I lost you. Hello, ho. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. There you go. I hit a fucking crazy button. Oh shit. I uh that was my own sabotage. So anyway, I was one of the first ones to use multiple cameras when I was shooting um like live when when i would have guests come first i was shooting at this spot out in jersey um and it was a more podcast desk type of feel but a lot of people were only shooting their uh their podcast with one just master camera they weren't doing the side cameras and doing the editing i'm telling you <laughs> i put that shit in the fucking game mm -hmm. then before the fucking um pan pandemic happened fucking we, we uh whatever, they had shut down the building we was uh, shooting out of in Brooklyn, so I started doing the shit like this, mm -hmm. like on some StreamYard Zoom type of shit. And that was before the pandemic. Once the pandemic came, everybody was doing this shit like this. Mm -hmm. Like, like it was almost like, hey, fuck it. Yeah, I was, on, I was on Periscope, IG Live, and Facebook Live doing the block party live mixtape and no panty sunday shows way before the pandemic i was the only one on ig live playing music sitting right here playing music. no djs was up there and then the pandemic happened and, and everybody nice got up there and that's blew when I the back. fuck up that's when i pulled back like, nice okay. went crazy during the pandemic bro yeah like but i was doing that shit 2015 to 2018. that's how that's then i went that's how i got the serious because they seen what i was doing on on the net and it's, it was like, yo, because I didn't want to go to radio. I was doing no radio. If I can't be me, I'm not doing no radio. So when they say, we see what you're doing, you just come here, do whatever you want. When they say, you do whatever you want, that's what was attractive to me. So you hear my show, I'll play eight or nine of my own songs. I'll play your songs, whatever new song, whatever I want. Like, 
So it was a beautiful situation on there. You know what you need to do? Bring me up there as a guest DJ. It's not like that. I record everything from the crib. I do okay. everything from the crib. Bring me to the crib and come then. to the crib. There you, you go. Know what I mean? <laughs> Bring there me to the crib and, and let me get a a, a a little hour or some shit like yes, that on the, on the block party and show Absolutely. these motherfuckers what I could do with that because that's my genre too. I don't DJ this new fucking shit. Like all the shit that I fuck with is from our era. Like you know what I mean? Like well, on my mix show, I play everything. That's why it's called the block party because the block party. You go to a block party. Everybody's invited. Doesn't matter your age. Doesn't matter where you come from. Everybody here, what kind of music they like, and they go home and eat, go home. So that's why I started. That's why I called it the Black Party. So when you listen to my show, you'll hear, you can hear Young and May, and hear Al Green afterwards, and then hear a, a, a tropical record. And after that, you'll hear Breakbeat and some Breakbeats. And after that, I'll go back to a Marvin Gaye record. Then I'll go to a Big Daddy Kane record. From Kane, I'll go to Drake. Like it's like that. It's no, it, you don't expect none of this shit, and that's what made this show so infectious for the last six years. It's been so crazy. It should be so crazy because it's not the radio that you expect that you're always going to hear all the time, and that's how Sirius is built anyway. Mm -hmm. But the way I did my show was, you know, a lot of times you hear a show, it's directed on one demographic. The other one's directed on another demographic. The other one's another demographic. They, they don't mix it all together. You know what I'm saying? They don't mix it all together because of corporate reasons, whatever the purpose, the, the reason is. Mm. I decided I wasn't doing radio unless I was able to play for everybody. Mm. You can listen to my show or my album with your grandfather, like you can listen to it with your son, you know? And that's how I always be for everybody. Right. That yes. Was, me, I'm I'm a biased motherfucker. You know what I mean? Know, like I'm a, I'm into what I'm into, and I like what I like, yep. and I'm not trying to fucking please everybody. And that's my so when the certain section of the block party is for niggas like from our era, that's when you put me in, and then there you, go. you know what I mean. Take me out when you want to play for the younger motherfuckers, like you know what I mean, like. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't mind, you know. Sometimes you can't be everything to everybody. Some people have the the, the ability to do that. I mm -hmm. just don't want to be that. Yeah, you do what you like. You know what I mean? Yeah, I want to do what I enjoy. But, you know, you like, got to keep in mind, you know, before the pandemic, I was doing 200, 250 shows a year. So I get booked from the older people to the younger people. You know, Dipset... 250 shows a year. God damn. Facts. That's why I bought my tour buses <sighs> back in the days because I couldn't be on the plane. It was too many shows. It was ridiculous. When the, when the pandemic happened, well, right before the pandemic, I told my manager, yo, I can't. It's too many shows. We guys are going to just do the weekends. Then when the pandemic happened, it was my first time to sit down and relax because I've been on the road from 88 till the pandemic. You know what I'm saying? So it was my first time to really sit down and focus on everything. I never had a chance to really focus on other stuff because I'm always on some stage somewhere in some city. You know what I'm saying? So when the pandemic happened, I got a chance to sit down, relax, and then when the shows started coming back, I would only take certain shows, certain size rooms, certain bread. I wasn't taking every show like I was taking before, trying to be everywhere. Wasn't doing that shit. And I got a chance to focus on my album. I got a chance to focus on other projects. I did five albums in the pandemic. So I had a chance to focus on other stuff, my clothing line, Sucker Free, and my movie, and all the other shit that I wanted to do, you know, and once I got into that mode, 
when I went back to the stage, it was only, it's only certain joints. Like this week, I only got one show this week at CIAA. Usually I do five, six shows at CIAA. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes, you know, you just got to pull back to do other things. You know, I'm trying to take it to levels that I never took it before. So, you know. Now, shout out to my man, David Ford. I see you got your David Fords on. Hold, hold Absolutely. On. Let me show the I rock people. With Ford. I, don't, I usually don't rock shades, you know, when I'm uh, on the show. But I just want y'all to see the, you know, the Panther elites. We rocking, rocking the Panther elites right here. Uh -huh. Um, um yeah yeah you know right. black uh, <laughs> black owned designer you know that we both mutually uh rock with mm -hmm. and i see you rocking your david fords yeah very royal i got a lot of fords man i got a lot i got about maybe i don't know a lot of you said we got a lot of joints that's what's up yeah i got i got a few pair i got i got more on the way as well yeah. shout out my man david ford yeah um Your daughter, Vina Love. Mm -hmm. Um singer, yes. What yes. singer, rapper? Uh yep. growing up hip hop. Mm -hmm. I remember you hit me up a while back, and you wanted to see if uh maybe you can get her an interview with uh homeboy. Yeah. yeah. With V Lad, and he and he acted like a, uh, basically, acted like an ass. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, here's what my problem was with that. Um, when Vlad first was getting on, you know, you know how humble people be. Then he asked me to come and do. When I did do Vlad television, the first, the only one and only time I did it, I was appreciative of that, but. He wasn't asking me nothing about my career. He's talking to me about Kanye West. He's talking to me about DJ Paul D. And he's not telling me, he's not talking about me and what I did, which is cool. You know what I'm saying? Um, but then my daughter comes out. And, you know, I remember one time before that, before my daughter came out, one time I had called him and said I wanted to do something. And he said he don't interview DJs. I said, you don't interview DJs? Your name is DJ Vlad. What do you mean on interview with DJs? And this is the problem I've been having with the DJ thing, trying to get them to be looked at as an artist. It'd be those type of comments that bring the DJ down. Like, what do you mean? Like, are they the bottom of the totem pole or something? Like, they don't matter? Like, what do you mean on interview DJs? Right. What does that bullshit. mean? You're you interviewing hip-hop artists. Right. But, and your name is DJ Vlad on top of that. Right. Right. Okay. So then, all right, we got past that. All right. Cool. Then my daughter comes out. And that's when I reached out to you and said, yo, I wanted to, you know, you know, see if we could do a little something to like get her promoted, whatever. And I brought and you it to called him. and you told me that he said we don't do that. That's what he said. We don't do that. That's what he told you. Now, that got me pissed off. But what really got me pissed off. And I wanted you to know that, but hey, I ain't got nothing to do to, with no, this. No, I got I'm it. Just you had nothing to do with it. Send them a message. Like, you know what I mean? But that got me really, really pissed off, right? To the point where I started feeling like he was a culture vulture because what happened was when little Boosie brought some little white dude up there, little white kid, it was cool. Mm. Little Boosie was sitting there with the little white kid. Nobody knew who this little kid was. We still don't know who he is today. Mm. Shot the little boosie, but this is what happened. I'm watching him do that. 
Right. But kick the pre calls to have his daughter come up there, a real singer. Right. You know what I'm saying? It ain't like I'm trying to sell her because she's my daughter. She's a real talent. And you're going to disrespect me like that? You know what I'm saying? So that's why I felt the way I felt. You know, and um, and here's my thing is that I take things personal because when you call kid, I'm there. You're going to get one of two things. Yes, no. You ain't going to get the middle shit. You're going to get yes or no. So when somebody in the industry do something like that, I take it very personal. No doubt. Um, but I appreciate what he does. You know, that's that's his site. Do what he do. You know what I'm saying? I think people go up there talk a little bit too much about, you know, their own personal shit. You know, but that's that's what he does. And, you know, he's successful at it, you know. Yeah, we don't appreciate what he does no more. We don't fuck with him. Mm -hmm. Um. So how, how did your daughter get into the, uh, what is that? Growing up hip hop and all that. When they asked me about it, because I didn't want to do it. Right? Mm. I thought that it was going to be exactly, I thought it was going to be um, something that Exploitive. I wanted to do. So when we decided to do it, I made some things clear that I wanted done. They were doing the show, you know, we in the show, my, you know, my daughter's out, we all out. So of course they wanted us in the show because of the, of the relationship and what we're doing. But I didn't want my daughter to look in a certain kind of way. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be, and I know what I was worried about me. I just didn't want her looking a certain way. So they agreed to what I said, you know, and then when the show actually happened, it, things was done that I said I didn't want done. Mm. And that's what made me not come for the next season and her come from the next season. Mm. And, you know, with TV, what it is is that when I told my daughter, being in love, I said, they're only going to use what you give them. They're going to maneuver, they're going to manipulate what you give them. They, they got a camera in your face. So whatever you say or whatever you do, they can take that and move it the way they want to move it. Well, what did first, they do that you didn't like? First episode, very first episode, they had, she went to a sex shop to get this leather suit that you could only get in a sex shop. You can't get it in a regular store. They mm. made it look like she was in the sex shop just to be in the sex shop. Mm. You follow what I'm saying? So that's why I said they only gonna they only could feed off of what you give them. So they could take something, manipulate it, and make it look like it's something different. You see what I'm saying? So when I seen that, and I seen the part where they almost had in a little fight and all that shit, that's when we pulled out. I was like, you know, we this ain't for us. Mm. You know, shout to love and hip hop and everybody, but I didn't want to be in that type of situation. When love and hip hop asked me to come on there, I said I'll come on there for an episode, but I'm not speaking. I'm not gonna use, I'm not gonna say nothing. And that's what I did. I went up there, I backed Precious Paris up on the turntables, and I didn't say nothing. Mm. You know, but um, shout to Love and Hip Hop, shout to, you know, um, Growing Up Hip Hop, both gigantic shows. But I just I just felt like with how I carry myself and how I wanted my daughter portrayed, I didn't want to hear no dumb shit. Great shows to be on if it's going to go the according way that we wanted it to go. You know, but other than that, we don't need, I don't need Okay, definitely feel that, you know, I'm, that whole reality TV shit is some real bullshit. Um, but you do have your daughter on the album mm -hmm. on a song called Uptown. Yep. Beat sounds like a, a remake almost of dun, dun, mm -mm. 
Mm-hmm. But That's it's not. Did. It sounds like you was influenced by that beat. No. No. The 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 well, I, yeah, of course I was influenced, but that the the beat that I used. Well, first of all, the beat that I used, I played over, but the original beat of that came out in the same time as the Cat Stevens Dog Donut came out. Uh-huh. They did the same drum pattern as Dog Donut, but it's from Germany. The, the uh-huh. Samurai News is from Germany, and Cat Stevens is from from I think he's from over the overseas if I'm not mistaken but they did the same drum pattern as the Cat Stevens so people think it's Cat Stevens but um I played it all over if you mm. listen to the original sample the German sample I use and you listen to my the, what I played it sounds exactly alike so and, and the reason why it's called Uptown was because like you said I'm from the Bronx but I got on in Harlem so my first album my first single was the Apollo Mm. I, I did uh, about the Apollo Theater in Harlem. It was uh, um, showing respect to Harlem because I got on in Harlem. So 30 years later, when I put the love out, that single Uptown is about Harlem. And my daughter lives in Harlem. So I wanted to give respect to Harlem again 30 years later on the next album. So that's what, how Uptown came about. But I'm from, I was born in Brooklyn and raised in the Bronx. No doubt. Okay. Born in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Now, hold up. Isn't uh, which one of your? I know you used to say on your tapes a lot that you was half Italian. Which one Not of your Italian. parents is Italian? My mother's Sicilian. Ah. Mm-hmm. My mother's. Well, that's Sicilian. that's like the black Italians. Right. Italians exactly. look at them as black. Exactly. Like they not real Italians. That's why they looked at as the bottom of the Italians. Because mm. they have black in them, and the Naples and the upper Italians, they look down on them on that. You know, some of them, some of the precious ones. So your mother's Sicilian with that afro in that. <laughs> she looks like she got an afro in that picture right there. Yep, that's it. That's wow. Afro. That's wow. Yeah, she looked kind of like Puerto Rican. How the Puerto Ricans used to look back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um. So what? Your father's black. Super black. He said, "Super black." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> super black. You right here. Look, it's my dad right there. Okay, looking like one that's of the Temptations or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, that's <laughs> crazy that you said that. That's crazy that you said that because the LeBron brothers that he used to sing with, my father sung with the first with the LeBron brothers, which was a Latin band. It, it was the first time they had a soul singer with a Latin band. Mm. And this is 1968, 1969, 70. They did two albums together. And LeBron Brothers on tour now. They be on the road now. As a matter of fact, one of LeBron Brothers, um, their son, um, Los, he, he's coming here to see me this week. He gave me one of their albums. I haven't had the album, but he gave me one of the albums that their father, that hung with my father, gave me. And he put on there, your dad could have been one of the Temptations. His voice was incredible. Because he really was incredible on stage. Wow. Yeah. Shout out to Maestro Fresh West. Thank you, yeah, brother. Yeah, Fresh West. What up, boy? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, King. Um. So, when I was looking at at, at some of the, you know, you, you start, uh, you're about to l- listen to an album, and, and you're just kind of scanning through some of the titles. And... <laughs> There was a title that stood out to me. Um, 
that I that I didn't understand at all. Like I didn't think too much about it. Um until until we got to the song. So <laughs> the song's called Handsome Woman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said, handsome woman, what? I'm thinking, what is this like? The woman king or some shit? Like, like, <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> but I didn't think too hard on it. I'm I'm listening to the album of Goobin. Yeah, I'm like, I'm liking it. Boom. Then we get to, <laughs> then we get to this song. And I gotta <laughs> I gotta admit to you, you know, and I told you in the text, mm -hmm. this is the only song really that I I I'm, I can't do it, bro. I'm sorry. I get it. I'm not fucking it with this. For, it ain't for you. It's not for me no. at all. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm listening to the song. Basically, uh, people, you know, handsome woman basically is about. Are you allowed to call them dykes? Still, are they called dykes? Uh, you call them dykes, right? Women, I like to say women that like to uh, <laughs> take the place of a man. I, let's say that. Well, wait, what? What? What'd you just women say? Women that like to take the place of a man. But that's impossible. They can't take the they place can, of a man. But they like to. I said like to. They say they do. Who, who in some <laughs> delusionary world think that they can take the place of a man. Um, so, I mean, First of all, what made you make that song right there? What made you feel like writing that song? Well, the initial thing was I was in Miami. I used to have a crib in Miami for nine years on 12th and Collins, right in the middle of everything. So I used to walk around the corner to the ocean and be in the restaurants and stuff like that. And one day, they had two gay days. They had one for the women, one for the men. And this one, this one day was a woman's day, right? And I seen a lot of really, really hard looking women walking in the streets. It was, really, it was like a parade. So I sat at a, a restaurant. I got to this restaurant. I seen this one with a pretty looking chick. And I said to her, I was like, yo, you know, you got to get a bad joint with you, huh? And she slapped my hand. Yeah, kid, like a dude. I was like, damn, she hit my hand hard. So I sat down. I was looking. I was like, wow. I was like, they really. Hey, these some really handsome women. <laughs> For real. I, this is what popped in my head. You know what I'm saying? And it stayed in my head. For four years. Oh my goodness. It stayed in my head for four years. And one and when I and then when I went to go do the record, I said, This is something that's in society. Whether I agree with it or don't agree with it, it's reality. So speak on something that goes to them. Nobody has ever done that. And after I recorded the record, I played it for four women that lived that lifestyle. Three of them cried. Hmm. <laughs> Actual tears out their eyes. Like, I can't believe you saying this. This is exactly how we feel. Nobody has ever spoke like this about us before. This is the representation of us. We're all going to be behind you. I made sure I played it for the right people. Even my aunt, my aunt Hattie, which is same way. That's your little, She lives that lifestyle. I played it for her. She's older. She even agreed with it. She was like, yo, I love this. Um, So... You know, my album is called The Love. If you're gonna if you're gonna have love, you gotta have love for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if you listen to my album, I'm trying to teach things. I'm I'm you know, it's not about just 
it's a, it's a well-rounded album, but it's more me trying to open your mind to certain shit without trying to be preachy or trying to be corny. You know what I'm saying? You know, when you listen to Joint, when I'm talking to the young kids and I'm, you know, on, on Mr. Captain, you know, I'm not preaching you. I'm telling you some real shit. And I'm saying it the way where you would say it to your man if you were 16, 17 years old. You know what I'm saying? So that's what it is. It's about getting the message in. But how do you get it in without trying to sound like you, uh, you, you know, you better than everybody or you preaching to people? And that's what it was with Handsome Woman. With Handsome Woman, I don't live that lifestyle. Who am I to really say anything about it? I don't live it, but I understand it. That's your, you know, it, you know, a fat person that weighs 800 pounds, 500 pounds. You know what they go through when they got to live their life every day? People laughing at them, people looking at them. You know, people, they can't help it. It's what their life is. They can't help it, though. They can't help it. So a yeah, person that lives that life <laughs> yes, as a gay can. woman, sometimes Listen, they can't help it. They born that way. That's, that's, that's debatable. And if they are, that doesn't mean that they were naturally born that way. They no, could have been, right. they could have, things could have happened in the womb with chemicals could have been altered through formulas and, and all kinds of different diets and shit right. like that. Um, my thing is this, um, you can love someone and still not agree with what they're doing. Of course. I can love you. I can love you and still not um, be in agreement with, how you live your life um my thing is and i do love all people i can't you know i feel like for a lot of people these are their expressions of trauma if you notice a lot of those so-called handsome women that you're talking about like these pretty dykes yo these look like ones that are they're almost scared to be looking like real women because it makes them vulnerable you know, some of these girls, you said you used to work in a rape counselor and all of that. Some of these girls grew up seeing their mothers get abused and all of that. And they said, you know what? I don't never want to be abused by a man like that. And, and for a way to them to protect themselves, they'll go ahead and take the persona of a man, which is stronger and all of that type of shit, and, and try to play down their prettiness like and, and try to keep this hard persona and shit like that. But we know that that's not real. My thing is, in the society we live in, they are consciously trying to make everything opposite and go against how nature has prescribed it. Also, they are trying to... Um, they are trying to conduct population control, Okay. So the more people that we can get to do, you know, woman on woman, man on man, that helps to bring down the population along with birth control and uh, killing of black people and putting us in jail. Like these are a lot of different things that they're using to try to attack, not just black people, really all people right now. Um, and so for me, I just don't feel like I just don't feel like we should be helping them promote their agenda because it's definitely a fucking agenda that they have to try to normalize this. And we got to stop normalizing the abnormal, you know? I'm going to be honest with you, Jamal. I know some people that live that lifestyle that disagree with what they're doing to, norm to normalize it. 
I know some people that disagree yes. with the and, fact that they're yes, pushing sir. it off on kids. Yes. You know, I definitely, I'm definitely totally against that. I don't think that any kid should be influenced to anything but being a kid. You know Thank what I'm saying? Um, mm -hmm. So putting in cartoons and the commercials every five minutes and all that. No, I don't agree with that. Um, I don't agree with if there's a circle of people here and this is not their lifestyle, then don't enforce that on them. This way you will not be scrutinized. If that's your lifestyle, that's your lifestyle. Don't push it on other people because that's when the problem comes with each other. People can respect each other if people respect each other's space. I can't tell you what to do with your life. You know what I'm saying? I'm not here to judge you mm -hmm. about your life. But if it interferes in what I'm doing, that's when it becomes a problem. And we can't live in a society where people got to be scared to say that. You know, like they're going to be canceled because they say what they really feel. You know, but at the same time, you know, it's their lifestyle. And we're not, we wouldn't understand it. I, I don't, we wouldn't understand it. It's what they go through. So who am I to judge? I mean, the only one that could judge them is God. You know right. what I'm saying? And 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 that's what I leave where I leave it at. But at the same time, I understand the reality of where we at. And where we at is this is a reality. This is what's going on. You know, and like I said, whether I agree with it or don't agree with it, I'm not I, I'm knowledgeable to it. You know what I'm saying? I see it every day. You know, there's people that I know that are good people that live that lifestyle. I'm not gonna judge them because they choose to live a different lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? As long as they treat me like the way I want to be treated, I'm good with that. You know what I'm saying? And, absolutely, um, absolutely. Know. Like I say, I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a. Uh, you know, we all express our trauma differently. You know what I mean? Some people drink too much or eat too much, or you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. this is how they express their trauma, and I just feel like a lot of times that's how a lot of male and females, um, that whole you know homosexuality and all of that is the way they express their trauma slash you know they might have thought they was born like that but trust me that's an abnormality in nature it's not you know what i mean that's just not how nature works like in order for us to procreate and push this uh you know ourselves further the man woman uh mode is <laughs> what's needed in order for us to live but so for me you know that's the one that you know i just had to keep it real and be like i, that's I, the one I get that it I, it's not comfortable you know supposed to be. i would have to hit the skip button you know <laughs> well i tell you what you got 18 others to deal with <laughs> right and 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 the 18 others i am not i'm i'm happy i'm i'm not mad like all i could say is that's why i said overall job well done you know what i mean Thank like you, the beats, i like the variety see being a dj you understand the different places that you might end up or some shit you yes, know what sir. i mean so it feels like you kind of have music to fit these different situations yes sir you know what i mean yes, like sir. and um i don't feel like an album should be one dimensional I feel like it should be a body of work. I feel like mm. everything should be colors to it. You you paint a picture. Mm. You know, that's what was so dope about Biggie and so dope about, you know, LL, certain different certain people that paint a picture, you know, 
it's different when you have one or two, three records on your album. Okay, it was good. But when you trying to make a whole album where it's unstoppable from beginning to end, you want to paint a picture and have variety and, and colors and try to satisfy different people. There's a lot of people out there. There's a big world, a lot of people in it. And it's not about us. We the deliverers. You know what I'm saying? What makes us be special? What makes us stand out? What makes people even pay attention to us? Because we do something that people rely on us to make them feel a certain way. You know what I'm saying? That's why a lot of artists take for granted their position. They act like the fans is doing them a favor. No, my nigga, it's the other way around. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and, and you gotta and you gotta understand that. Like, you know, we get on and we make all this money, we do what we do, and we forget the core, the core, the core brass tax of it. The brass tax of it is without the fans, you're nobody. So how does a fan gotta feel funny about asking you for an autograph? How does a DJ that's been supporting you gotta feel fat funny to ask an artist for a drop or ask an artist for an interview or like who are you? You wasn't nobody before you needed these people. These people helped you get where you go. Now you get where you go and you forget that these people were the ones that helped you get there. I just see things in that way. That's why I stay humble. That's why I stay grounded. No matter what I've been in the world, no matter how much I made, no matter what happened, nothing changes. Nothing changes. I make it, don't make me. And some people make that. I hate a little rapper that walks around like a little rapper all day. I hate that shit. Turn that shit off. I'm David Love when I wake up. I'm Kid Capri when I need to turn it on. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's the difference between somebody having staying power or somebody that's there for the moment. Multiple people have commented here in the comments uh, saying how humble you are. Shout out to Nix33. Thank you for your uh, contribution. He said, I met Kid Capri in the late 80s in Bridgeport, Connecticut, backstage at a K-Solo and Gangstar concert. Dude was real humble and hospitable. I've been a fan ever since. Salute to Kid Capri. That's and that's not like, seriously, I, I read something else just like that earlier. Like they were just talking about, oh yeah, when they said uh, the most humble. And I said, they're talking about you, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Cause that's what I'm saying, Jamal, Jamal. I don't understand why everybody's so mad, man. I don't understand, like, what's wrong with just being cool? You could get way further. People want to deal with you. You could build alliances. You could do business. You could. It's so much you could do when people feel safe around you. I remember one time I did a party for Chris Rock's wife. Right, he threw a party for her and Chipiani's. He asked me to come play. Me and Patty Labelle. Mm. Right. And I asked Chris, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, you like being married? He said, yeah, I love my wife. He said, I love my wife. He said, but you know what, kid? Even more than that, he said, when you're married, people want to deal with you. People want to work with you. When you're not married, you're a threat to people that have money. So mm. it, it stops your money from doing things. Now, I'm not saying everybody's supposed to run around and get married, but I never looked at it like that, that mm. people with money are married. So when you are not married, you're around a relationship, you become a threat to them. This is what he said to me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's just a matter of how you carry yourself, man. That's deep. You know? Just a matter of how you carry yourself. And I appreciate the love, man. Absolutely. Uh, if you're just joining us, we got the legend K. Capri here with us. Uh, make sure you click that like button, that share button. Um, <clears throat> how do you feel about people that just decide, you know what? I'm going to be a DJ. 
<laughs> like like the Paris Hiltons of the world and the fucking like like just whoever. Jay, like, Jay, I'm gonna tell you this right now, man. In the pandemic is when I realized that I don't want to say this in a way where it stirs stirs people in the wrong way, but to me the DJ shit got so corny. Mm. It's just special to me because of what I know what I do. But as far as looking on the outside in, you know, I, for DJ, for real DJs, it's beautiful. But for people that feel like it's just a, a, a pastime or a joke or like it's a game and they could just come to it and play because they just have a name or, you know, I don't respect that shit. Like, you know, um, you know, if you're good, you're good. If you're good. Right. That's like me making an album with me rhyming. You know, contrary to popular belief, people might say, yo, I don't want to hear that shit without hearing it. Because right. they may take it as I'm joking, making it a joke, or I'm not really going to be that good. I'm just doing it because I think I can do it because I'm not who I am. Whatever right. the reason, until they hear it. But then when you see a bunch of DJs that really ain't DJs, and you up on the net begging for cash apps in the middle of the pandemic, you know, that shit just looked crazy to me. You know, people in the middle, right at the beginning of the pandemic, people suffering, don't know which way they're going to go. You get up one there talking about, yo, send 50 hours of my cash app, send 20 hours of my cash app. Now people just sending you money, which they should if you up there DJ and you working. Yeah, of course. They should send you money. Hell yeah. Hmm. Burning electricity, all that. Yeah, hell yeah. But when you turn around and you look at the camera and you say, yo, who can send me $50 in the next two minutes to my, to my cash app? Yo, send me now you making the DJ look like a bunch of begging, like we like we like we starving. Right. You know what I'm saying? You don't see no actors up there doing that shit. You don't see nobody else doing that shit, but the DJs doing that shit. And it made it look crazy. Mm. You know what I'm saying? This is the business that took care of me my whole life. I never had to be a boss, a, a work for nobody for 35 years. Mm. I've been my own boss doing this. Okay. So seeing that was like, damn, my nigga, like. You know, it just didn't look right. But again, I don't knock the hustle. If people want to send you money, you hell yeah, you take all that. He's <laughs> the hottest thing smoking in the in the pandemic. I never seen him do that once. Not one time. You'll send money to my joint. I never seen him do it once. And he right. had the perfect opportunity to get the big bag. I didn't ever see him do that once. They sent him whatever they sent him, put a little pin up, and that was it. It's just the way you do things, a classy way to do things. I'm a DJ. You see me up here playing. When this pandemic is over, invite me to your weddings. Invite me to your joints. Let me come play. You see how I play? You know, it's a business, sexy, classy kind of way of doing shit. Instead of looking like you just for the easy bag and taking advantage of people's misery. That's how I took it. You know? And niggas are talking about DJs suffering. You suffering in five days? No, hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let, <laughs> let it let some time go by. So that's what that's what I was on. Peace to Brucey e. B, Ron G, Kid Capri. Love Bug Starsky. Funk Master Flex. Love Master Bug Starsky. I mean, how's that line feel? Like, like Biggie Smalls is one of the most revered rappers. Um and it's like he he just said all like the Harlem legend DJ type niggas. Like, how does it feel to even be in that roster? 
I've been and my name been mentioned in a lot of records, but that's definitely one of the ones that stands out really big besides uh Peace the Red Alert and Kid Capri. That's mm, his movie. Mm, oh man. Yo, those two are like really prominent, prominent joints. And then you got uh I'm strictly hip hop. I stick to kick and free and the crossover with EPMD. Like it's so many records, but but the biggie and the night. Hey, I'm we in that. We in crossover too. He said, but the rest are getting Brad Nubia. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> we stay late, baby. <laughs> um, first of all, that's I, I always as a DJ always wanted to be able to scratch my own name or my own words and shit like that. Like that was like one of the first things I did when I got the acetate and all of that type of shit or got the test presses and all of that type of shit was to be like, oh shit, I'm scratching my own shit. Like that's just a great fucking feeling, man. Um, How does it feel like when you're, I know you got some special you know, and Kid Capri, Kid Capri. I know you, you know what I mean? I know you got mad at those, like. I got a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I got a lot of those. I got a lot of those. And that's but so dope, though, that it you is, can man. have that. Blessing, everything, that you... everything that happened to me, blessing, bro. I take it as a blessing. I don't take it for granted. I don't forget nothing. And I don't forget what people do for me. I, I don't, I don't, I just stay like that, man. You know, and it works out that way, man. You know, it's like a computer in my head. I never forget, you know, Red Alert used to talk, put me, Red Alert put me in Studio 54. Years ago, I still talk about that to this day in all interviews I do. I never forget, you know what I'm saying? And um, that's, that's, that's the good thing about it is a lot, it's, it's also bad because some people do forget. Mm. If you get some things. Yeah. Well. Sometimes you gotta make them remember. Exactly. The love, baby. The love. I had to wake baby. them up. And it's just the beginning. The Out love right now. Just the beginning. On all streaming platforms. You got a lot of videos. I didn't see all the videos, to be honest. I listened to the record. I saw like one video, but tell me about how many videos you got for what I songs? put out seven videos, five from the album, and two that's not from the album. The two that's not from the album is free to style. And Serial, the last album video I just put out. Serial is from the Dr. Dre beat on the Snoop album. But the right, five joints from the you. album so far, Truth or Never Lie. Well, Slap Key was the first one. Slap Key, Uptown with My Daughter, the director's cut. Wide Awake, Truth or Never Lie, and The Business. Those are the five from the album. And then Free to Style and, and, uh, and Serial. So now I'm working on the next ones. And see, here's another. Are you doing this independent or is this on label? What independent, is uh, no kidding, Empire. It's going through Empire. Okay. But um, the thing about it, you know, people put their albums out, their projects out, and if it don't move the way they wanted to move in the first couple of weeks, they're on to the next thing. Right. Not really. You know right. what I'm saying? Coca Cola is Coca Cola. They've been Coca Cola forever, and everybody knows who Coca Cola is, but they still throw up commercials. They still throw up, you know what I'm saying? They yeah. still gonna promote their brand. Mm -hmm. So when people just put music out there, you you did all this work recording, spending money, all this different thing to put it out there. And if it don't move when you want it to move right away, you just dead it and on to the next thing. Nah, you got to promote your shit. You got to stay on your shit. And that, like I said, it's a big world with a lot of people in it. And there's people that do not know this album. There's people that don't know that the Love Album even came out today. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's my uphill battle. 
I never got a complaint since it came out. Not one. I watch everything, see all the comments, see everything. I haven't got one complaint. Every video I put out, not one complaint. But my uphill battle is making sure everybody knows it's there because I don't have a machine behind me. I'm independent. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's what the, that's what the problem. That it's not a problem. It's just that it's work. So you got to put the work in. So I'm 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 advising anybody that put that does an album or does a project, just because you don't see it moving the way you want right away, you know, that doesn't mean it's not going to move. You know what I'm saying? Right. Especially when you make an hour time. It's not it could just take a time. minute. Yes, it could take a minute. Um, well, shit, man. Everybody make sure that you either stream that. Uh, yeah. If you want to cop it, I put an Amazon link uh, to the album in the description right now. Uh, and Yo. as an Amazon affiliate, if y'all do cop it, I will get a small portion of, of the uh, sale. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, go out and check the love. It's definitely a solid listen. Um, I think for a lot of you, you're gonna be surprised at how well uh, Kid Capri raps. You know what I mean? And then you're going to listen to the beats and be like, did he do all of these beats? And yes, he did. Um, and so you're going to be impressed by that, too. Uh, and just all in the, and even if you're not somebody that dissects all of that type of shit and just want to have a good listen, it's just a good all around hip hop listen. Well, uh, it's sonically sound, well recorded, well mixed, all of that type of shit. Like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I was you, overall Jamal. happy with it. <laughs> Thank you, Jamal. Thank you. you know I know I mean? you would have dissed it if it wasn't right. <laughs> Trust me. I mean, you know, well, I can't, you know, you're my brother, so I, I wouldn't diss it, but, you know. You'll be honest. Like, I wouldn't have a lot of problem. good shit to say. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, but no, it, it, it was engaging enough that I was able to listen to the whole thing. And that's something that's hard to do too and you got a lot of songs on how many songs you got 19, 19. songs that's 19. fucking a lot of songs like for these to days keep you like, engaged and that's what the problem is you know i was getting that too i was getting that from certain industry producers and shit yo kid it's too long people attention span is short you only put out you could have got away with less you could have got away with less i didn't want to okay keep and that's mind. your and that's your prerogative my last album was 24 years ago. I had to give him a- Wow, you got shit. some shit to get off. I had to get it off. I yeah, had to get yeah. it off. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like I do an album every year. And then Kanye, his album was an hour and 45 minutes. My album's an hour and a minute. Right. One hour and a minute is my album, is the love album. Give me a fucking break over here. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a fucking break over here. He's right. got almost a two-hour fucking like a movie and shit. Right. I got an hour. hour yeah, God, mine is like a documentary fucking uh, length. <laughs> Leave me alone. I can get in and out. You'll fucking, you start at seven, you'll be out at fucking 801. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Yeah. But yo, bro, I appreciate you coming by. Uh, anything else you need want to share with the people? Uh, where where could they get your uh your gear at? 
We are in um what we're doing is getting all the new inventory done. It's suckerfree.com. But we get all the Sucker new inventory free. done. You go and look at everything else that's up there though. Uh with, with the all, old stuff that's up there. But we're getting everything moved over to Spotify. I mean the Shopify. And um we getting all the new inventory in. So we we just had a meeting recently uh, a couple of days ago about it. And all the new stuff is looking crazy, man. So when we pop back out, it's gonna look good. But all the stuff that we put out so far is sold out. Everything that we put out, all the sweatshirts, all the everything, all the hats, everything sold out. So we're about to come with the new stuff, and it's going to be really, really dope. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. Well, definitely uh, more power to you on that. Uh, anywhere that you're going to be coming up soon that the people can check you? Yeah. tomorrow uh, Saturday, I'm at CIAA, me and Little Mo. We're doing... Uh, um, hey, wait, it's in Baltimore now, right? Yeah, it's in Baltimore now. Yeah, we're doing right. that. But I got a whole bunch of different shows. I'm putting my own tour together, another a tour together. I'm putting this festival together right now. Um, we have um, got a lot of dates coming up. Uh, also, the Rock the Bells in November that sold out. As soon as they put it out, we I'm part of that. We're going to be doing something. Oh, big on the cruise? Yeah, the cruise, yeah. Damn. I just got off the Capitol Jazz Cruise, too. That was crazy. Um, and we're just doing a whole bunch of – I got a whole bunch of dates coming up, man. I, you know, I can't remember everything. You with everything. Who you work with? Huh? You work with an agency or you just get shit? No, my manager, Chrissy Clifford, been my manager for 27 years. Mm. And we, you know, loyalty brings royalty, man. And, um, you know, my, my role manager, been my role manager, 27, 25 years. So, you know, we just have a formula how we do things. Uh, agencies, when they bring dates, they bring them. But we keep our things booked on our own. Right. That's what's up. You know? Yeah. That's what's up. Mm -hmm. Well, my brother, keep doing what you do. You know, we we love you and appreciate you here. Love you too, man. Thank and, you for um, this opportunity, man. Yeah, man. Make sure y'all go get the love. The love out. Uh, yeah. Kid yep. Capri, aka David Love. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Kid Capri, ladies and gentlemen. Peace, King. Yes, yes, y'all. To the beach, y'all. Another one. Teresa Maria said, thank you, Kid Capri. That was mad interesting. Kelly Mills said, great work, Kid Capri. Mad thumbs up, mad hand claps. That's what's up, y'all. Appreciate y'all for coming through. Thank everybody that donated in the super chat. Thank you, everybody that donated on Cash App. Hang on, let me look real quick. Thank you, Odessa Menifee. And thank you, Drew Thousand. Appreciate you. Um, what's today? Thursday. Yeah. All right, so shit. I'll be back next week. Um, I got some brothers. It's a brother from Oakland who has a uh, a program where they take like some young boys and bring them out to a farm and teach them self defense and how to grow shit and all this. Yeah, we're gonna he got a whole documentary and we're gonna get into that. We're gonna bring him in, I think, on Tuesday and shit. So check us out for that. That's gonna be informative. Um 
Underdog said, thanks for bringing Kid Capri out. Really was dope. You're welcome. Um, yeah. All right. Well, shit. Y'all have a great weekend. Make sure y'all be safe out here. Um, don't believe the hype. Those are just fucking satellite balloons. <laughs> Those are not UFOs in the fucking sky. Um, don't be nervous. You're going to be all right. Um, once again for the Godcast oh if you haven't subscribed make sure you do so click the notification bell and make sure you click all once again for the Godcast I am Lord Jamal and I thank you for joining us peace peace